Hi, and welcome to A Sober Girls Podcast. I'm your host, Sherry, and I have been through my own ups and downs with sobriety. And if you're listening to this, then you have taken the first step to making a change in your life and finding a community to help you through it. Now, let's start this journey together. Happy Wednesday, fam. I hope you had an amazing week and weekend. The election is over. The results are certified. And I could not be happier to have my life back. Oh my god, this has been the longest two weeks. Also, the first time in two weeks that I'm actually recording on a Tuesday night. So right now, I'm totally proud of myself. Also, I've completed my to-do list two days in a row while working. So I am actually really getting into feeling a lot better, feeling my purpose, feeling my sense of self. It's been a very hard but good two weeks. I don't know if any of you follow me on Instagram or on TikTok or on Twitter. (laughs) I'm kind of everywhere. But um, I did have a breakdown last week and I finally just everything... over the past two weeks, over the past few months, just really kind of came crashing down all at once. And I had the hardest cry I think I've had in the longest time. It was so ugly, like snot dripping down my face, like heave crying ugly. And of course, I don't tell my husband how I feel. So he comes home after running to Home Depot or something like that. And he sees the TikTok video and he's like, what the hell happened when I left? And I'm like, I had a moment. Like, it's no big deal for me. It just happened. And he just kind of looked at me and shrugged and kept walking. Luckily, this man is so understanding and supportive. And he just lets me have my moments. And also this week, I had a really good conversation with my friend Jamie and my friend Danielle and my friend Teresa and Kelly. And we all kind of talked about toxic positivity, how when you just need a day to feel your feels or a couple of days to really reel in your depression and feel your depression and people are like, oh, you've got this, be good, be happy. And you're like, nah, I don't want to be happy right now. I want to feel my feels. I want to know that it's okay to not be okay. When we support each other, when we hold each other up, That also means that we are giving each other that space, that safe space to be okay. To expect someone to be happy all the time or put on this persona or this face is just so unrealistic. It's also very damaging. And so it was really nice, I think, after I had that huge cry and I was talking to a couple of my friends about it, you know, it was really nice to hear that, well, that's okay. Like, you're allowed to feel your feels. You're allowed to have that moment of release. You know, those are our authentic feelings, and we shouldn't have to hold those authentic feelings back. That was something that just meant so much to me after the past few days, and I feel like I've been my, um, sorry, more authentic self in the past few days. Now, prior to all of this, doing the election, certifying the results, 
It is a very long two weeks. And I am telling you, when I get hungry, angry, lonely, tired, if any of that stuff kicks in and I'm not paying attention to it, it gets really bad really quickly. So the fact that I was able to sit down and recognize what was going on really helped me out a lot. And being aware, being self-aware of your addiction or alcoholism, being self-aware of your body, being self-aware of whatever chronic illnesses you have, whatever rebounds from abuse that you have, you know, things like that are really important to pay attention to. And I don't think I've ever been a fake person. I've never lied about who I am. I've never lied about anything that I've done. But I definitely have put on a mask or a happy face so that more people will accept me. I don't necessarily not tell them about my past, but I hold things back because I don't want to be judged. And that also feeds into putting on that mask. You know, if I'm not my true authentic self, that doesn't mean I have to walk into a room and tell somebody every indiscretion that I've done. But it definitely means that if I haven't worked through my issues, if I haven't gone through things that I need to go through in the past, I'm not going to be able to be my true authentic self in the future. So I have not really been fake as much as I have been struggling to find myself. May come across as fake, whatever, what have you, that's a you issue, not a me issue. But I definitely know that I do wear a mask to hide a little bit of my true authentic self because I'm really scared that if I tell someone that I really care about the whole truth, that they will judge me and leave me behind. There's been lesser things that have happened in my life, like people finding out less than the truth and still leaving me behind. So you need to be very self-aware of what masks you are putting on when you're hungry, angry, lonely, tired. And you guys, it's coming up on holiday season. This is going to be a stressor for a lot of us. And the next couple of episodes... We are actually going to be talking about the holidays. We are actually going to be talking about the stressors of the holidays. We can talk about um, things that get us through those times. So let's just dive right in. I am actually really excited that next week is Thanksgiving because that means it is almost Christmas, which is the best holiday ever. I have basically been celebrating since November 1st to include Christmas decorations. It's a huge controversy, but I'm not that worried about it. But with the turkey eaten and the big college football games out of the way, we will officially be descending on Christmas, and I can't wait. I have always, always loved the holidays. They are so much fun, and as a state employee, I get a lot of time off with my already part-time job, which is fantastic. I've basically retired already. Well, okay, not really. But my husband has a great job and takes super good care of me. And I'm really thankful because it allows me to do things like this. I still plan on having an episode next week because the holidays are really hard for some people. They can be lonely. They can be a trigger. Dealing with difficult family members and for those who are newly sober, it can be a really confusing and difficult time. The great thing about all these things is that we have a program of recovery. We have a daily reprieve. Meetings we can go to and people we can reach out to and many other things that we rely on to get us through these times. It's not easy. I know that. But it does get easier. We don't avoid these things simply because we are addicts and alcoholics. We don't despise alcohol. 
normal drinkers or gathering. It shows in the big book that if we have a legitimate reason for attending these events, then go for it. Think of what you bring to the event, not what you expect of the event. Remember, expectations lead to resentments. If you are on solid ground, go and enjoy yourself. If you need someone to talk to, reach out and most importantly, go to a meeting. There are also fun events in your area and usually AA Intergroup will have holiday feasts for those without families in different districts. We are never truly alone. That does not mean that these times or events cannot be stressful. There are many family events. Even for me who loves my mother with a fiery passion, but sometimes we bicker. I think that's just a family thing. And I have anxiety anyway, like all the time. <laughs> it's it's a constant. I have constant anxiety when anyone comes around. Truly. It doesn't matter if it's my mother, my best friend Kayla, my husband, my son. I always want to be a good enough or the house to be presentable. I'm getting better with that, but I'm not great yet. My mom realizes that about me and gives me space when I'm at her place. However, I'm very respectful of my cleanliness and my behavior. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree and our homes are equally important to us. So we are both very aware of our each other's space. There are things that I do, especially during the holidays, our stressful times, to help me cope with anxiety or frustration. There are a ton of prayers that are in the big book that we say as we go through each step. And those are great because it helps us with asking our higher power on how to direct us through those steps and those specific instances. But for me, the one I turn to is the serenity prayer. If you're in recovery, you have 100% heard this a minimum of 100 times already. I used to hate it. It was so redundant and annoying. I told you I was going to be honest. It was just like going through the motions for me, you know? I was like, oh, yep, grant me serenity. But I never really paid attention to the words. I was never super good at praying up until the last few years. Disclosure, I don't know if anybody's ever really super good at praying. So don't feel like I all of a sudden know what I'm doing. Before that, I would only pray when things were really bad for me. And let's be honest, we all do. So it's just been within the past few years, probably mm, five, that I've started to pray during all times. And even praise him in the storm, which is so hard to do and frustrating. There is nothing worse than saying, hey, thanks for giving me cancer. Or, hey, no, this job thing, it's great. But honestly, if we take a step back and realize what is actually being shown or taught, praising him in the storm is the right idea. We have so much we can learn. Tolerance, patience, kindness, control, understanding. If we slow down and listen, that's what it took for me. Slow down and listen. Listen to what was being said to me. Listen to what is being shown. Yep, listen to what is being shown. Understand that our higher power is not going to lead us astray. The serenity prayer is so important to sobriety. It really truly is. I know of a lot of us say it in every meeting. I know that we hear it a lot. But did you know that it wasn't always an AA thing? Gonna give you a little history lesson. The prayer or poem, actually, was written by Carl Paul Reinhold Niebuhr, who was an American theologian. He wrote a lot of books on democracy, 
and Eber's realism deepened after 1945 and led him to support American efforts to confront Soviet communism around the world. He was a powerful speaker, one of the most influential thinkers of the 1940s and 50s in public affairs. Shout out to political science. Niebuhr composed the prayer in 1932-33, supposedly. There is a little bit discrepancy, not that he didn't write it, but he said it to someone and they recorded it in their journal. It was originally slated as such. O oh God and Heavenly Father, grant us the serenity of mind to accept that which cannot be changed, courage to change that which can be changed, and wisdom to know the one from the other through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And of course, that's not how we say it now. The most well-known version that we know and use now is from around 1951, and it goes like this. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And the second half that we rarely hear, living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardships as the pathway to peace, taking, as he did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, Trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will, so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever and ever in the next. Amen. The prayer's message about acceptance echoes what Bill W., who is a co-founder of AA, says. In the big book, Bill describes the core trait of alcoholics as self-centeredness. Self will run riot. He further described the alcoholic as an actor who wants to run the whole show. We've talked about this in previous episodes. Is forever trying to arrange the lights, the ballet, the scenery, and the rest of the players in his own way. And Bill's solution was, first of all, we had to quit playing God. And how many of us do that? You don't want to admit it, but you do. You play God. When things don't go your way, you try to make them go your way. So we are all there or have been there. There is one God, and I hate to say it to you, but you're not it. I'm certainly not it. Good gravy, I am not it. What blocks some alcoholics and addicts from achieving serenity is their intense desire to achieve a sense of absolute control, one that is simply not possible for human beings. This need for control has two aspects. First, it's an attempt to control the behavior of others, a strategy that addicts cling to despite its repeated failure. Second is the attempt to control feelings by medicating them with mood-altering chemicals. This strategy, too, is doomed to fail. An alcoholic's quest for absolute control can lead to misery, which may contribute to substance abuse problems. Ironically, the need to control may also be a response to the unmanageability caused by their out-of-control drug use. And the vicious cycle continues until the addict accepts that there will always be external circumstances that we cannot change. The prayer instead points us how to examine our inner life. I know that we have discussed in the past turning over our will, being able to talk about our unmanageability, talking about our control issues. So now we are encompassing all of that through this prayer. We cannot directly control our feelings. However, we can influence our feelings through what we can control, our thinking and our actions. 
By focusing on these two factors, we can attain the final quality promised by the serenity prayer. Courage. The serenity prayer is a wide door, one that's open to people of all faiths and backgrounds. It speaks wisdom to addicts and non-addicts alike. People who live this prayer discover how to strike a balance between acceptance and change. This is a very precious gift, and it's one that we can enjoy for a lifetime of serenity. We here in AA and other 12-step programs use just the beginning of that prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference, which makes a huge difference in our everyday lives. I sometimes say it over and over again if I'm really nervous or stressed. There's so much packed into this one small section that I wanted to tear it apart and talk about each individual part and why they're so important. Firstly, we have the reach out. God, we are asking him to listen. Grant me the serenity. Please give me peace with what we are saying here. We go through so, so much turmoil, not only in our using days, but in our everyday lives. There is stress at work. There is stress at home and on the road. You know what I'm talking about. You have road rage too, as do I. So when we ask for serenity, we are asking for peace in the moment. Sometimes it's serenity to not throat punch someone. Sometimes it's serenity to not use bad language or bitch out that really dumb person we deal with on the daily. But we need it at that moment right now. Without having that moment of peace and clarity, we are unable to discern what our next steps should be. It's so much easier said than done, and I get that. But if we are able to slow down and step back and look at what we are doing, we can work on the part where we talk about from Bill W. Acceptance. Acceptance is the answer. Accept the things that we cannot change. If we cannot solve a problem today, right now, let it go. If we are in a position where we are constantly feeling like we have to have the answers or we have to have the resolution right now and there is truly nothing more that can be done, we will drive ourselves back into insanity. There are so many times that we have to accept the things that we cannot change. Our spouse leaving us, getting fired, filing bankruptcy, and most of all, other people. We simply, simply cannot change other people. We need only to change ourselves. What we can change about other people is how we let them affect us. We are solely responsible for our reactions to others. Remember what I've said before, hurt people hurt people. So if someone hurts you after they've been hurt, the best thing you can do is be understanding. Let things calm down and make an amends when the timing is right. This might not work all the time as some of the relationships are work or professional and the resolution needs to come before the amends. There are many instances where we have to work through the situation and feel the feelings later. This is part of acceptance. If you have a big project at work and someone lashes out at you because you screwed up and we're close to a deadline and it can't be missed, the best thing you can do here is put your head down and work. Accept the things we cannot change. We made a mistake. Our spouse left us. We are not financially fit. Until we accept these things, until we are fully understanding of the situation, 
we cannot do the next part, which is the courage to change the things I can. Yes, you have to accept the things you cannot change, but you also have to be willing to change the things you can. Climbing out of debt may mean that you have to say no to McDonald's for the next six months, or no going to the movies, or putting things on credit cards because you can't make a change to your financial situation if you continue the same bad habits. This seems like a lot, I know. The serenity prayer relating to credit cards may seem like a far reach, but I promise you that it is not. Financial fitness is a huge part of sobriety and a huge thing that in our program, a lot of us need to learn how to work. Because so much of our lives are mismanaged. So much of what we do is because we want to have control and we are perfectionists that we think we don't need help. So we continue down the path of self-destruction. But you don't have to do that anymore because you have a solution, program and higher power. You have an outline for life and how to live life on life's terms. Being able to have the courage and make changes is really hard, really hard, because we have to accept something that needs to be fixed or changed. And change is scary. So many what ifs in that change. That being said, when you're able to make a change, make it stick and resolve a situation. It's so invigorating. It is so exciting because you can feel the growth that you have. For me, it's confrontation or communication. Also, my finances. I have always been scared to communicate since I was young. I have never had a positive outcome from communication, so I would bottle up. Fast forward to an abusive marriage and communication or lack thereof was something I definitely doubled down on. I was so scared to say how I felt because I never had a healthy discussion or argument. It was always a blame game. So when I have to communicate with my now spouse, I get really scared because I never know what to expect. So daily, I work on communication. And number one is not to be a victim. Number two, speak my mind. And number three, be honest. It's getting easier. In fact, just a couple of weeks ago, he was in a very dark, negative place, and I personally could not handle the negativity. It was so draining, and I couldn't fix it, and I shouldn't be the one to fix it anyway. So I told him, I need you to get help or listen to guidance. That was really hard for me because I didn't want to hurt him, but I really needed to know his negativity was affecting me, and it was very wearing. Resolving conflict really is rewarding, and it made me feel like I could conquer the world. Of course, I don't recommend that. I recommend taking things as they come. Conquering the world, that could be a little bit much. There is wisdom and patience and discernment. My finances have always been a struggle for me. My finances are the one thing that when I'm not drinking or using, I use to make myself feel better. We all do this. We all feel like, oh, I had a bad day. What should I do? Oh, I'm going to go buy myself something pretty. And when you don't have money to buy yourself something pretty, but you do it anyway, that is mismanagement. So I am at 41 years old, 40 years old actually, learning about savings, paying with cash, 
using credit cards only when need to and I've gotten a lot better. So I am not the greatest with discernment. So the wisdom to know the difference between accepting what we cannot change and change what we can is really important. Being able to step back and look at things logically is very important to me. <laughs> it never used to be. I love a good fairy tale. So logic is like one of those things that I'm definitely a slow learner at. And I know it says in the promises, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. Logic, slowly. Emotions, quickly. It's beautiful, I'm telling you. Um, being able to step back and look at those makes a difference. I have made a lot of mistakes based on believing that everyone is like me and genuinely wants the best for everyone, wants to be kind, wants to be loving, but that is not the case. So when it comes to people, I have to know that I need to accept who they are and be willing to grow myself or walk away. There have been so many times when I've seen red flags in personal relationships, romantic relationships, friendships, even in family members. But my heart is so soft and full that I just ignore them and it causes huge issues down the road. There is also the opposite, being too guarded. Not letting your guard down can cause just as many issues as being walked all over. Either of these can affect your relationships, jobs, promotions, relationships with yourself, and your higher power. I heard someone say once, act how you want the world to treat you. And that resonated with me. If I act weak or act like a victim, that is how the world will treat me. If I am rude, angry, or manipulative, then that's what I will get back. So if I act like the queen that I am, the hardworking, genuine loving person I am, that has many ambitions at 41 as I did at 25, then that's what I will get back, so long as I am authentic. Knowing that I have to accept others for who they are is still hard for me. I want to trust everyone, and the truth is you can't. See, the only thing you can do is have the wisdom to know when to walk away from that person, that job, situation, church, group, or family member. Knowing when to walk away or stay is important to your sobriety and mental health. Asking God for guidance will help us attain the serenity that we are looking for. Another thing that I've had to accept outside of personal relationships is my health. I have very poor health. It sucks really bad. I don't have a thyroid and I have been in recovery from cancer now for almost two years. While my last scan came back clean, that will be a year in January. I am simply only in remission. And that is subject to change whenever it wants to. I am constantly tired. I can't do the things I used to, like work full time. So, as of this past summer, I was able to admit to myself that I have to scale back on work. I am a workaholic. I am very passionate about what I do. I love working for the state. I'm passionate about politics, policy, and justice. It's what I have done for a career since graduating college. So knowing that I need to limit my hours stinks. Also, naps. I need naps. I can't work out two hours a day or do long walking trips because I get exhausted. Fighting to stay in a healthy weight range is also difficult, but that comes with food, exhaustion, and meds. There has been so much acceptance of knowing what I can and cannot change over the past two years. It's been very, very difficult. 
I am in a constant battle with feeling 25 mentally and being 41 and older physically. I want to do the things that others do. I just can't. And I do accept it, even if I don't like it. I'm getting better at structure so I can work out at least once a day for a half hour because it helps not only my chronic illness, but my mental health. But there are some times I just can't do it. And that's okay. I say it's okay because if I don't, I will convince myself that it's not and beat myself up forever. And honestly, I don't feel like the cancer is a punishment. I don't feel like the weight gain is an issue, but I do my best to change what I can when I can. And that is another thing. Please, 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 I am begging you to not say, well, this is my punishment for. No, you are not being punished for anything. My cancer is not a punishment. My chronic illness is not a punishment. Those are things that are happening and I can only control what I can control about them. But there is nothing that is a punishment. There are tests that we go through, but never believe that you are, one, worthy of being punished, or two, that there is a reason why you are getting treated that way. Another thing that I have been changing about me is I used to have a lot of money and I spent it like I did. I never used to have to check my account. I would never go over. I had a very expensive life and lifestyle. That all left me when my divorce happened and I lost my job. It has taken a long time, but I'm finally getting my life together financially. That's been the hardest part, honestly. Living like I was still in a $100,000 plus income bracket, I'm not by any means poor. I'm not broke. I'm not destitute. I'm comfortable and able to have nice things and travel and go on vacations. But I do have to save more now, and sometimes saving money is really hard because I want that new purse or those earrings or clothes, and who doesn't? So once I learned that my new job means a change in finance, I had to make some changes. Still not easy. I still like to buy pretty things, but it's getting a lot better. A lot of us with addiction suffer from money problems because we spend all our money on drugs and alcohol, and it takes a long time to get that life back. Others of us have a good nest egg, but still manage to destroy that nest egg or not bounce back to it fully. There is a lot about being in active addiction that takes a while to get back from. When you are making your amends, the serenity prayer is vital. We have to remember that just because we apologize and change our behavior or make large changes in our lives does not mean we can save a relationship. And that is hard. When we are actively using, we are destroying all sorts of things and the people we have hurt have every right to walk away after the amends. They don't even have to accept the amends, and we have to accept that. Our actions have consequences. But if we finish out the serenity prayer, if we don't stop at to know the difference, we see that there is hope for us after acceptance and change. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as the pathway to peace, taking as he did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, Trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will. That I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. There is so much beauty in that statement. If we accept the hardship as the way to peace and trust in him and surrender that we will be happy, isn't that awesome? And just so much better than accepting that we have to change or the situation has to change. 
Those things have to happen, but we always realize in the rest of the statement that when we realize that the hardship is the way to peace, makes it much easier to go through those things. We realize that these things are opportunities to make us grow, show us our true potential, and be able to carry out his will. We will be supremely happy in this life. I know for me, I've just been down in the dumps and a little bit off since probably June. Just lots of things happening, swirling around, changing, but I keep praying through it. Knowing that everything I go through allows me a chance to learn and grow. And when I accept that, I really do have serenity. It's not just a stupid prayer that is muttered at the beginning of a meeting or something we just say. If we really listen to it, speak it into practice, it will be a game changer for us. We will see that God is truly doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. I know that the more I reach out my hand and talk to y'all and speak to the newcomer, it helps me. It helps me to give away what I have. Usually, when I can help someone else, I also feel better. I am thankful for the newcomer. I am thankful for this community, and I am thankful for and grateful for my sobriety. I am so glad you spent this time with me, and I am so exciting for Thanksgiving next week. Please make sure to keep this in your back pocket as a way to handle life during the holidays. I am praying for you, your serenity, and for a good holiday season. Okay, a couple of things before I leave for the week slash weekend. Um, a huge shout out to my friend Danielle, who is the owner of Snowflake Media Marketing. She has helped me a lot in my Instagram and podcast success. If you need anything with social media or your podcast, she does it all. She does management of your posts for social media. She will edit your podcast. She has not edited mine yet. Probably you can tell, um, but my podcast isn't monetized, so I just do it on my own. But Danielle has been instrumental on my social media presence. She is amazing. She has got tips and tricks, and I really think that you can um, reach out to her, and she can help you with your Instagram um, growth. That's the word I was looking for. Also, this week, I am very grateful for a couple of things. Number one, I am extremely thankful for um, a gal that I met through um, Twitter on my sobriety podcast account. She is trying so hard to get sober and she's amazing and she's beautiful and I am so impressed with her. She will talk to me and check in with me and she is not quite there yet but she is reading a book and it's helping her. She's talking to me and it's helping her and I am so grateful for her. I am also very thankful for my friend Zach, who I have known for probably as long as I've been on Twitter, so probably four years. Um, he was struggling and he came to me and said, I need help. And so I was able to reach out and have some other men help him out. And that was a really good feeling as well. And I am so grateful for those two people because it just went to show me that it doesn't matter where you are in the process of your sobriety. We always need someone there to help us. I know this has been a long episode. You are so patient and so loving and so gracious and kind 
So I'm going to let you go now. Next week's will probably be a little bit shorter because you will be with family or on the road. But please have a great weekend and start to your Thanksgiving holiday. Be well, fam. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of A Sober Girls Podcast, where we talk about our experience, strength, and hope to give you a brighter future in recovery. Please do not forget to subscribe, follow, save, and download so you can hear next week's episode. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at A Sober Girls Pod and online where I put all show notes and information at asobergirlspodcast.podbean.com. Also, soon you'll be able to subscribe to Patreon for additional features, so stay tuned. Until next time, fam, be well. Ooh.